Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome into Trailblazers on SENZ for another week where we talk to the best of the best when it comes to Kiwi sports, women, coaches, administrators all around the world. And our guest this week is, well, very much one of the best, an Olympic gold and silver medalist, gold in 2012, silver in 2016, and a world champion in her chosen sport. She is Olympic champion sailor Joelle. Thanks for being on Trailblazers. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Quite an intro. <laughs> Everyone always says that, but I like you know, like to go the full CV. Well, that's not even half your CV, so we'll get into into that as we go. Um, and I, I want to start actually with you, Joe. Like, go way back because sailing to me is a sport that, if your family's into it, it's something that you kind of do. But as I gather, it wasn't really for you, was it? Your family weren't you don't you don't come from a family of sailors. No, and I, I probably didn't realise, I guess, how unique that was when I started. I was just. You know, I'd seen the 95 America's Cup basically on TV. I don't think we had a TV at home, but I was at a friend's house, and I remember watching it and sort of stopping whatever I was doing to, to watch. And I think mum probably, I don't know if mum wishes sometimes that I hadn't seen the TV, but I think she's got over it now. <laughs> what was it about that that event, that regatta, that captivated you? Yeah, it's really hard to try to figure that out. I think I've obviously always been pretty obsessed with boats. Like if, if I look through my sort of, childhood books there's there's quite accurate actually drawings of yachts and you know you can see the front and the back and two sails and I wonder if I, I think I might have watched one of the old Volvo races come into the harbour yeah probably from, from Devonport and I don't know I guess something about boats definitely stuck with me when I was young and I've always been kind of obsessed with, with being on the water not necessarily in the water <laughs> but you know the, the boat aspect and I don't know I guess it was that combination of just sailing and the team and the fact that you know they were winning the America's Cup, which was, and they you know they thrashed it. It wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't a close win. It was seeing New Zealand on that world stage in sailing, and I just wanted to do it. Yeah. I mean, of course, what what I did, or what I tried to do, was very different to the America's Cup. <laughs> but yeah. I guess it was sailing nonetheless. Well, were you a, like a competitive, sporty kid anyway? Um, I not really. I mean, I think I, I played netball when I was a kid, and I, I think once I started doing something, I wanted to do it better. That was always, you know, always for me. I'd go and practice at lunchtime, and I'd do different anything I was doing. I, I was quite keen on, but I think it wasn't really till I found sailing that you know that was my thing. And I guess since then, I've realised I'm quite competitive in lots of things. <laughs> but sailing was the thing that really sparked it for me. So how do you go from a kid going, oh, that looks cool, to I want to do this? How do you actually start sailing when you don't have that connection? Or, or yeah, where did you go from there? Um, I actually went to the library, first of all. I pretty much read every sort of sailing book that there was. You know, there's a, there's a few Sir Peter Blake books around just sailing in general and learning to sail. And 
I pretty much read every book in the library at, at primary school. And I just told my dad that I wanted to go sailing. And so, you know, we ended up finding a, a learn to sail course at Ponsonby Cruising Club because you didn't need your own equipment. You just sort of turned up there and got those little optimists and, and had a go. And yeah, that, that was it. Mm. Were you hooked? Were you hooked from those first couple of goes? Oh, I, I remember my first sail pretty vividly. It was quite windy and just a, sort of had to sail out to a mark and back, you know, probably about 20 metres or something each way. But I remember just getting in the boat and sailing out and coming back and I'm like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I knew what I was doing pretty, really quickly. Yeah. Because, I mean, and I guess too, growing up in Auckland, right, you're growing up around the water, um, you can see that harbour, you can see all the flash boats, the flash yachts and all of that all the time. What was it about being out on the ocean, as you say, on the ocean, not as opposed to in the ocean, um, that, that grabbed you? I think I really enjoyed the freedom of it. I mean, when you're in a boat, you know, in a yacht, it's, it's so simple. It's just you, you got your main tent, you've got your ropes, you've got your tiller, and you can decide where you go, obviously, with, with the wind. Like, you sort of have to be able to balance the elements, and, but it's just you in that boat and sort of making movement happen. Like, really, it's really simple, and it's, it's something as a kid I think I really enjoyed, just getting out there, and I felt really in control out there, and it was sort of my little... My little happy place. Yeah, it's funny because it doesn't I look love simple. The attention to detail that it brought as well. Like there's so much focus when you're out there, you don't think about anything else. Yeah, oh yeah, I guess you can't, right? Like you can't let your mind wander because while you say, like to me, it doesn't look simple at all. Um, <laughs> but you, you you have to be focused on on every single thing you're doing because it can go wrong. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I know a lot of people who do focus on different things when they go sailing, <laughs> but I've always been I think, pretty single-minded at that, and that when I'm out there, I'm just so in tune with everything and wanting to always, you know, try to perfect it or to make it feel a little bit better or to, to make the boat go a little bit faster, and that was sort of the same from the beginning. You know, I was just captivated by the different feedbacks you get and the, the challenge, I guess, of, of ooh, how do I make this boat go a little bit faster than the person next to me. Mm. How did you how did you progress from those first sales at Ponsonby Cruising Come and a little and a little optimist? How did it progress from there to become something that a you were clearly very good at, um, and that you could compete in and that you wanted to compete in? Yeah, I, I did a few sort of courses like learn to sail, then learn to race at Ponsonby until I felt sort of comfortable, and then we actually ended up joining Kaimaramy Yacht Club, which looking back now is a very strange choice because we lived in Murawai at the time. <laughs> And it's definitely not one of the closest clubs. <laughs> but at the time, Koumarama had a really strong sort of girls contingent. Like most of the top girls in the country were, were sailing out of Koumarama. And I think that's what really drew me to it. And it, it was a great choice. Like I, I know lots of people from that club. I mean, Polly, I think, started sailing at a similar time. They have a lot of history with her. Yeah. So I sort of went down that normal path of optimist sailing, you just sort of progress through the divisions at the club. And, I mean, I, I definitely took to it pretty quickly. I think there was one coach out there the first day who saw, like, my first race. And my first race, I sort of I won the Division 2, which is, like, the, the entry. And he was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> She's got something. And I guess I was lucky enough to have a few of those people um, to, to sort of notice me along the way and, you know, pull me into their training groups and to, to help me progress. Because, you know, we definitely couldn't afford to have private coaching or, or anything like that so I was definitely sort of an add-on to a lot of other people's sessions 
and um, yeah, definitely owe a lot to a lot of people, especially through those junior years. Yeah, I was going to ask that. I don't imagine it's a, a cheap or easy sport to to get into from that financial perspective. No, it's it's, it's definitely not. I mean, you, you need the equipment. I mean, there's a few clubs now that have some equipment, but but pretty much it's it's a really expensive sport and. You know, it was definitely not something we could afford. I don't know, that was my mum's sort of biggest hesitation initially. It was like, oh, gosh, sailing looks really expensive. Yeah. And it is. You know, I think I was lucky enough when I was 12, I went over to Israel and I have a lot of family over there. And it was my bar mitzvah, sort of 12, 12th birthday is a big deal. And the idea is that you sort of give cash. And I came home with sort of a sort of cash pile, which we bought my first Optimus with. And that was, from there, it just transitioned, you know, you sell that boat, you get the next one, you sell that one, you get the next one. And and a lot of people along the way who sort of would, would lend me equipment and would give me their sort of second equipment. And, yeah, I, I definitely had a lot of help and, and wouldn't have done it without that because I know in sailing, you know, there's not really probably that many of us who who come from families that can't just afford everything. Yeah. That is a, a different pathway, a much harder pathway, but I think you yeah, definitely better for it eventually. Bless the Israeli family though, thank goodness for that. Your dad's oh, Israeli isn't he? Yeah. Oh, no, brilliant, they definitely tried to claim me in the past. So. Yeah. They, I, you, you became quite the, like during your Olympics, we'll get onto that, but quite well known in Israel right? They were trying to get you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, well that, <laughs> the Olympics are in 2012, they didn't have so much success and they were like, oh, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> on the, you, is it something you're aware of now as your career's gone on of, of seeing younger girls and trying to, I guess, make it as accessible as you can um, for people to get into the sport? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think, you know, I've got to a position where I can help people and I, I do put a lot of energy into sort of trying to support and mentor a lot of the girls coming through and especially you know some of them who maybe haven't had all the resource and I can see how much they have to battle for what they do get and you know at least I'm in a position now where I can sort of try to help try to help them and you know get them on equipment and just advise them as they go through that you know it it is possible it's not going to be easy but yeah I I think that's a really important part of it because I know I had you know people like that for me Mm. and yeah, it, it helps. Yeah, uh, you. Uh, in terms of the tactical side of, of sailing and, and you learning all these different boat classes, how did that kind of progress as you went through the di- the different classes to to eventually, I guess, end up in a in a four seventy, which became the boat you are most synonymous with? Yeah. So when I was a junior, I, I probably sailed everything. I had um I had a coach, John Morgan, who who helped me sort of just off his own back the whole way through. And he was sort of quite insistent that I just go sail everything. You know, I don't really specialise. And so there'd be years that I'd borrow three different boats and do three different nationals. And I think that really set me up well, you know, that I could sort of jump around and I was pretty good at quick at learning. And, I mean, I'd always thought I'd just sail by myself. And mm-hmm. I, I did sail by myself for sort of that first Beijing Olympics in the laser radial. And then sort of figured out that I just actually wasn't the right size for it. And that wasn't really going to... I wasn't going to go where I needed to be because I always had this sort of, you know, excuse of, oh, I'm actually too small. And so that was the switch to the 470. And the, the choice to sell was with Polly, who I'd known since, you know, I was 12 years old. So it was a, it seemed like a really small decision at the time. But, you know, when I look back, I'm just so grateful for that because that was, you know, opening my eyes up to actually sailing with someone else. 
And, you know, I, I love sailing in a team now. I don't think I'd want to go back to mm. sailing by myself. Because that's something probably people don't understand is that those different boat classes, and those, I mean, there's a stack of them, but that it is size-based too. Like there's the big boy boats or big girl boats as well and, and all of that. Yeah, it definitely is. And there's sort of, you know, there's different costs as well with the boats. And the laser that I started with was definitely the most cost-effective and it, it's quite easy. You know, the equipment's all the same. And it's nice and physical, and I always like the physical approach. But yeah, you, you you are sort of you end up being suited to certain classes and not to others. And as much as you try to persevere, you know, some things physics you can't you can't fudge. There, yeah, very good point. Right, we will get on to that and your Olympic success in the 470 uh, in just a moment. My guest on Trailblazers today is Olympic champion and world champion sailor Joe Lay. Back with more in a moment on SENZ. You're listening to Trailblazers on SENZ. I'm Ricky Swanell, and my guest today is champion sailor Joe Allais, who started out by sailing Little Optimist, sat down at Ponsonby Cruising Club, and then ended up an Olympic champion. And Joe, you've mentioned her a couple of times, Polly, Polly Powery, and you became known as Team Jolly. Uh, you won your Olympic medals with her after, well, gold in London 2012, silver in Rio 2016. What made the two of you such a good duo, a successful partnership? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this recently because I've sort of been talking to a few other girls who are trying to find teammates or trying to figure out how you sail with someone sort of well. And, you know, I realise I've been I've been so lucky, you know, to start sailing with Polly that we were, obviously we grew up at the same club. We'd, we'd known each other forever. And we definitely started with a lot of respect, I guess, for each other's skill set. Like we'd raced each other in all the classes coming through. And, you know, when I look back, it's, it's lucky that we did get on because I don't actually know if there's anyone else I could have sailed with. <laughs> so it was opportunistic, but it was, it was an amazing partnership because we were very similar in ways and very different in others. So I think we, we balanced each other out really well. What were the differences? Um, we're, I mean, we're very different people, <laughs> like different backgrounds, different ways of operating. Um, Polly's, you know, a lot is sort of quietly spoken and reserved and will sort of really consider what she's going to say and how she's going to say it and then holds on to the things she said, you know, whereas I'll say something and I'll just jump in and then 10 minutes later I will have forgotten sort of what I've talked about. So we have definitely different modes of operating and, you know, I've always really enjoyed sort of physical aspects and the training and the gym. And I think I remember when we first started, Polly was convinced that she couldn't wake up before 8 a.m., and definitely couldn't do all of that. But, you know, you give her six months and she was, you know, as fit as anyone. And, you know, she was a real weapon by the end. So it was just awesome to see that progression as well. Mm. Well, the funny thing about Polly is, is she was she widely, was she Polly when you first met her? Because her actual name is Olivia. I think she's legally changed it now to Polly because that's what she's known more. But was she always Polly? Yeah, you know, she was always Polly to me. I think it took me a while to figure out she was actually Olivia. <laughs> yeah. Or someone would ask me, some, ask me about Olivia and say, <laughs> I remember Pete Montgomery saying, and I was like, who's Olivia? <laughs> the way um, you, you operate in sailing and, and your campaigns, and particularly for Olympic, it's almost like a small business, isn't it? I, I'm sure I recall you saying that, you know, you have a joint bank account and things like that. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's like a business or like a relationship. You know, I think it's quite funny because when you start sailing together, one of the first things you do, you know, within the first few weeks is, okay, it's time to go to the bank and get our joint bank accounts and... <laughs> get our cars and put our money in there and you know it is it's, it, it is a real partnership like you 
you do everything together, you spend a huge amount of time together, especially when you're traveling. And, you know, within New Zealand, it was quite rare to sort of go a week or two without without seeing Polly. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing when you get on with that person as well. You know, they are, they're a friend for life as well at the end of it. Mm. A lot of high-performance high sport can be quite prescribed in, in that, you know, you turn up to training here and you get on this bus and you go here and you go there. Is sailing a little different in that sense? You're, you're quite self-sufficient. You have to be. Yeah, I think, I think sailing is about the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we sort of, as sailors, we're very used to, I guess, leading everything, you know, from the equipment and the boats and the logistics, keeping track of, you know, what equipment in which country how many hours it's had on it, what we need to buy next, what's, you know, what our training is going to be. You know, a lot of it is in conjunction with a coach or with a physical trainer or with, you know, other sort of support people. But we definitely always structured our campaign, especially with with Polly and I, that, you know, we were the sort of co-CEOs and then our coach was the next sort of in line and then we had sort of planners and everyone else around that. But, you know, we definitely led it and we made the decisions and and we owned it and because at the end of the day you know we're the ones sort of putting our time and money in as well and we're the ones who sort of wear it if it goes well or not. (laughs) (laughs) Does it put can it put strain on at times when it's particularly you know I always say don't don't go into business with a friend (laughs) you know when you're talking money (laughs) money and stuff like that I mean it's slightly different obviously but can it cause or did it ever cause some strains? Yeah, I think for us it never really did. You know, we there's such a clear reason that you're doing it that I think makes it quite simple. You know, there's that agreement from the beginning that you know we we wanted to we wanted to form this team you know to win a gold medal. That that was our aim initially, and everything we're doing on the way was to enable that to try to make that happen. And you know, we had a good enough relationship that from the beginning we were going to be open and honest and. You know, we'd, if we had an issue with something, we'd bring it up. And, you know, I was lucky for that to be sort of my first real team experience, to be in that open space where, you know, we, we didn't really, we didn't have arguments. We didn't, we never yelled at each other or anything like that. You seem, see some teams doing because, we, you know, we, we tried to stay on the same page and, and keep things open. And I think that's just such a key for, for a working team. And it's, I think it's actually a lot harder to do than I maybe had experience with. <laughs> Yeah, take us back to that to that London campaign and an Olympic gold medal. What stands out from that time for for you? Yeah, it was just it was such a I guess ten it was years. A oh, I know it's a long time ago now. <laughs> I think it feels like even longer. Far out. <laughs> but it was it was a whirlwind. You know, we were, we were trying to sort of fit six to eight years of sailing into four years. And, you know, a boat that I'd never sailed before and probably had a little bit of, of experience in. And, you know, the the results came quite quickly and we really we really gelled as a team. And, you know, I think our first our first world champs were up to six overall. So it was, you know, we were straight into it. But it, it's quite funny when I look back, you know, we did a lot well. And then also I think there was just a lot we didn't know yet. Yeah. And sometimes that's a lot easier that way. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. know. (laughs) Exactly. And you're just happily sort of going along and, you know, oh, this is quite good. Yeah, off we go. (laughs) And I think it's a great thing about your first sort of, that first Olympic campaign where you win a medal or where you perform to that level. It's it's quite a unique experience because you don't really get to repeat that. It's all so new and exciting. 
Yeah. Um, in the aftermath and, and obviously in that immediate time um, and being part of it, it was a really successful campaign for New Zealand overall in London. It was a, a you know a great Olympic Games in general. Did, did you feel that when you came back you were in a position to maybe capitalise on it or, or did you kind of choose not to put yourselves out there as much as maybe some other medal, medalists can do or want to do or anything like that or was it just not there for sailing? Yeah, it was, it was a really weird experience actually. Like, I think we'd expected to get a medal and, you know, we sort of knew we were fully capable, but it seemed like a bit of a surprise to, to a lot of people, which we found kind of amusing. <laughs> but it, it was a it was a shock, I guess, when we came back, what it was like, just the amount of interest and and the amount of sort of the fact that everyone, you know, would see it, would care and, you know, the, the daily conversations of suddenly you went from, you know, I went from being just Joe to sort of, oh, Joe, LA, Olympic gold medalist. I'm like, oh, don't, don't just Joe. <laughs> yeah. It, it's quite a hard thing to take, I think, when you haven't really prepared for that. And, and we definitely didn't prepare for it because we were just too busy, you know, doing the job and, and trying to win the medal that we probably hadn't considered at all what it would be like after. And, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd change that again, but um, that actually made, yeah, coming back quite hard. Yeah, and definitely the fact that you know we didn't really have any sponsors before that because we'd just been so busy sailing, and then when we got home, we sort of tried to finally get some sponsors and found it really hard for a while. You know, sailing, sailing's a bit of a hard sport to sell at times. Uh, there's a lot of assumption that it's you know we like the America's Cup and we get paid the big bucks, and and a lot of those sponsors that maybe would you know like to support sailing are already sort of tied up in the America's Cup and that sort of more professional scene. So. We definitely found it pretty hard until we just, you know, found a bunch of guys who just wanted to help. Mm. You know, that was that was where we got to eventually. It's amazing, isn't it? I thought, and you, you know, you've said there were people who helped you when you were young, and and then post London as well. That there are just people out there who are willing to willing to help. Like in a pretty cynical world of sport, sometimes that must be nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazingly humbling. I think that people, you know, care that much to actually, they want to be involved. And I mean, it's, it's really nice for us as well to sort of take people on the journey because it's, it's a pretty lonely journey at times. You know, you get pretty sort of self, self-focused self and, and self-centered on just your performances and, you know, doing what you do every day. So it's actually really nice to have that sort of family of people around that, that want to be involved and, and that do care. You went on again yourself and, and Polly to do a, an, another Olympic campaign committed to going to the Rio, to the Rio Olympics as well. Obviously you're going in a completely different frame as, that, as the defending champions and from what I remember of that regatta and scratching the memory, it was really incredibly challenging for you guys and the silver medal was an enormous achievement. Yeah, I mean, I think it had been a pretty tough year, tough few years altogether, you know, the difference between coming in fresh and then suddenly being Olympic gold medalist and you'd get second of the world champs and come home and you'd get this sort of like, oh, what happened? You're <laughs> like, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite a change. But, um, yeah, the, the actual Olympics was, I think, about as tough a sailing event as I've ever had and I think as anyone would ever want. I mean, we had, we ended up with, a disqualification quite early in the regatta and then an, an over-the-line disqualification as well. And, I mean, both of which, you know, I think I've let it go now, but <laughs> we tried to fight both of them for, for multiple days at the Olympics because we didn't feel that either of them were quite fair. But, you know, that, that's your thing, that sport. Um, but I just remember, you know, halfway through the event, I think I was looking at I was looking at the online news and they'd have this little blurb at the bottom of, like, which events were medal-capable. 
and we weren't on that list anymore. <laughs> and I just remember thinking at that time, oh, come on. You know, like, you know, we can still do this. But I mean, I, ha- I had no, I think halfway through, I, I had no hope we would actually get a medal. I think at that stage it was like, you know, what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we here to do? And what we're here to do is, is sell perfect races. You know, that was our goal going in. And that's what we tried to keep doing. And, you know, we did. I think like that's, to this day, that's definitely the best that I've sailed or that we'd sailed together by a long way. You know, our performance was, was beautiful for us to, to be involved in. And, you know, it's rare that you finish an event with so many races that you look back and you're like, oh, I actually nailed that. You know, there's nothing I would change. And so to, to come in before the medal race and be told that actually you're sitting in second and the medal's possible is, yeah, it was, I was, I was blown away and definitely didn't think it was possible. So, yeah, w- winning that silver medal was, it was winning the silver medal. It was not more satisfying than the gold in London. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And, you know, on the face of everyone goes, oh, oh, sorry you didn't get gold this time. But I guess it's the nature of athletes, right? But look what you did and how perfect, as perfect as you could perform. Yeah, and, and there was a, a bit of a hard one we got back that, you know, I think as when you'd won a gold before and then you got a silver, you're sort of like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> off, off you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My um, guest on Trailblazers today is champion sailor Joe Alay. We'll be back with more here on SCNZ in just a moment. Thanks for being with us on SCNZ. I'm Ricky Swanell, and you're listening to Trailblazers, where today my guest is champion sailor Joe Alay, Olympic gold and silver medalist, world champion as well. Joe, after 2016, you stepped out of the boat, you stepped away. And, and what, what I guess was your reasoning for um, for, for getting out and, and trying something different? I won't use the R word because it, you didn't retire. <laughs> we'll get to that. No, no but very clear I wasn't retired. Yeah. So what, what was your thought? What was your thought in, in, in stepping out of the boat for a bit? Yeah, I, I just needed a break. I think I had I'd sort of pushed myself well beyond my limit in those last two years leading to Rio. You know, I had a bunch of sort of, of health issues and, and some mental health issues as well that I just, I'd put on the back burner because we were competing and, I, you know, it doesn't matter how bad I am, I'll, I'll still perform on the water. You know, it's got nothing to do with the state I'm in. But it catches up with you. And I think, you know, looking back, you know, it took me three, four, four years to to get over that sort of campaign or to recover from that and just an energy and a mental energy and sort of to find the love again for the sport because I definitely kind of lost it. And so stepping away, obviously, I, I think I went to Europe for about six months and sort of chased the ocean race and ended up doing a little bit of sort of the, the pre-event and realised that that wasn't really making me happy either. Um, but it was an easy sort of goal to try to leap to and ended up coming back to New Zealand and actually going to work for Ernst & Young, which was a massive departure from <laughs> anything I'd known. You know, my first day was my first day ever in an office. You had to wear shoes. That <laughs> so was a really big change. What, what Was there sort of a realisation after Rio that it wasn't sustainable for you to keep doing that physically and mentally? Or what was that moment that like, oh, I, I need to sort of change a few things here? Yeah, I mean, initially I just wanted to, again, try to find a way to roll into a campaign because that's what, you know, I've done for for 12 years and it's sort of the only thing I really knew. And it's the easiest thing to do is to keep going, you know, so just keep doing what you're doing and just keep fighting. But it became pretty clear to me that I just, I just didn't, 
I don't want to. I don't have the energy and I know how much sort of passion it takes and how much perseverance it takes to do it properly and I'm not someone who's going to do something halfway. So I think it was that sort of six, eight months, 12 months after the Games where, yeah, it was, I was pretty clear that, you know, I just needed to step away. Because it's, I mean, the sort of sport to me and on as an outsider looking in where there's so much pressure, but the the way you start doing it is because you love being out on the water. You know, you love that feeling of yeah. the ocean and the freedom that you talked about earlier. Did you lose some of that in the throes of of competition and high performance and finance and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think at the end, you know, I enjoyed a lot of the sailing at the games, but it was sort of at what cost? And I think the cost of doing it had become so high, sort of, yeah, to me that. I wasn't, you know, when I went out in the water, I was, it felt like a chore, and it, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if I really wanted to be there. And it, I mean, the fact that it took so many years, I think, to to get that back, you know, I really did <laughs> dig a little too deep in those yeah. in that Rio cycle. So, what um, what was it? The Rio cycle that you broke your leg, or was it the one before? Um, it was I, I broke my ankle just before. At the beginning of the Rio cycle. Yeah, because that was a nasty accident, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I snapped a, snapped a nerve actually sailing the, the FX. It w- was all, so, those, yeah. you know, all of those, because so you, you throw in rehab to that as well. Um, and that, yeah, but yeah. That, then I had a lot of stomach issues for, for sort of those four years of the Rio cycle. I got some food poisoning early on and just didn't quite recover and then I guess ended up trying to be at a at a weight that was not actually healthy for me sort of while trying to maintain full training loads and so from that ended up with sinus issues and just just the whole body being like run down yeah. to that point is um yeah it takes a while to recover from for sure yeah so then you went and got a, a day job and you had to put shoes on to go to the office and things <laughs> like that so what did you take from that um that time just doing something completely different away from sailing before then realizing that you would like to be around sailing yeah, it was actually really refreshing just to, to do something else and to see that I did have, you know, a bunch of transferable skills and I had acquired a lot of knowledge, even just around how people operate and how, you know, a high-performance team works and what the sort of performance looks like that were quite transferable across, you know, business as well as just sport. Um, but I think I, I noticed pretty early that I'd spend a lot of time looking out the window at the harbour. <laughs> <laughs> and just that, that difference for me with being outside and then being inside was probably the thing I found the hardest and you know, I think it was about four months in that I started doing a little bit more coaching alongside just to sort of just to be involved and I think that was also what I realised though was, was stepping into something that was so outside my comfort zone I realised that I did also have so much, so much knowledge and so much skill in a discipline which is so unique and sort of to not use that really felt like a waste and I guess that's what stopped me from stepping away altogether is that I still wanted to help you know I'd been through so much as a sailor and as a person and I think when you go through those sort of things a big part of it is wanting to sort of hope that the next gen coming through doesn't make some of the same mistakes Mm -hmm. or you know doesn't go down some of those paths and I think that's what that's what really brought me back initially sort of into the coaching space because that was somewhere where I could you know use some of the knowledge I had and, and try to 
impart a little wisdom, you know, whether they'd listen to me or not, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm sure they did. But you're, but the, the fact of the matter was, though, in 2016, and we're only talking six years ago, the idea or the path for a, a female coach basically wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, you know, back then the path for females in sailing was limited at the Olympics. You know, there was that was it. That was sort of, that was our pinnacle. And, I mean, I'd never had a, a female coach I think I was lucky enough that actually my learned to sail coach was was a woman, and I think that probably taught me from the beginning that there's no difference. But you know, after that, I yeah, never had any female coaches, and there were I don't really think there were any in that high performance space in New Zealand for sailing, and very few internationally. And there was no professional pathway, right? Like as you said, it was for, for sailing for women was the Olympics, and you as a gold and silver medalist, a two-time Olympic medalist, couldn't find a pathway into the into the professional side of the sport. No, and I definitely tried a few times along the way, and done sort of some you know bigger boat sailing, and but I sort of kept finding the same the same line, which was oh, but you know you should be doing it all for the experience, and you know I didn't get paid to be on boats, you know, it's only very recently that I've sort of been paid to be out sailing on a boat. And even with, you know, those results I had back then, I just, yeah, I couldn't really break into that. And I thought I tried for a little while and it was just even more demoralising. So I think that's probably what put me on the business path and the fully stepping away. That was like the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like being grateful for the experience. Being grateful for the experience doesn't pay your bills though, does it? No, exactly. And I think being grateful for the experience is one thing, but when you have a lot to offer, and obviously you're missing a a few areas, but I think just the treatment you would receive sort of was quite different to a male Olympic medalist. And that was always pretty hard to take. So, because, so you, when you, after you you, you had your stint in, in the office and, and doing other things, you have, as you said, come back into the sport and you end up coaching and you coached at the Olympics last year. Uh, how has it changed to have found that path then to, to opening up these options for women in the sport? Oh, but I'm not sure the options are really <laughs> well, open. If yet, they've changed, yeah, yeah. We're cracking the door. Yeah. I guess that, that's the main thing. Yeah, and I guess I've found sort of that my whole career, like you've just got to push at something and hopefully something gives eventually. <laughs> and, and I've definitely sort of had to battle a bit, even, you know, to get into the coaching in the first place. You know, I, I really pushed to be involved and I sort of, you know, would do a trial and I would I would be there. And, you know, I mean, I think as a sailor, I give everything as my coach. I've definitely always tried to give everything because I know what it means to the sailors. Um, and I, I think that is a lot more, acceptance of female coaches and we know that we do operate differently like we do seem to have some different strengths and it's it's good to have that balance but it, it's still a pretty hard career path like one of my best friends Sarah Winther who was a um also an ex-Olympian and she's been a, a coach for many years and coach for other countries not so much New Zealand but like we, we all know how sort of tough it is out there it's not an easy path, but hopefully, you know, it's in a better place now than it was five years ago. So, yeah. you know, give it another five and hopefully we'll be there. <laughs> Slowly crawling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, so you coached in Tokyo last year, and obviously the Tokyo Olympics were a completely different beast to anything else. So aside from restrictions, COVID and all of that, what was the coaching experience like being on that side of the fence in an Olympics? Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience. I mean, the, the training and the lead-up, you know, we were quite lucky that extra year actually sort of played in, in my team's favour because they were quite young. 
and you know they had more more time to prepare and also you know for me more time to sort of get into the coaching because I was quite new to it as well um but yeah the, the actual olympics I mean it was a strange event it was definitely not like any other olympics I've been to I mean the sailing's the same the sailing's always the same so I guess that was the good part but again watching it from the outside just with that perspective of performance and sort of how people perform under pressure and you know the 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 sailors that win the medals or that perform are just doing the exact same thing that they've always done. You know, there's still nothing special. And I guess I'd always known that as a sailor because it was the same thing for us. You know, you're not mm. trying to outdo yourself. You're just trying to do what you normally do. But it, it was really interesting to see it from both sides. And I think it's definitely helped me be a much more rounded sort of sailor athlete. And the fact that I can see it from my coach's point of view too. I'm not sure if it makes me easier to coach or harder to coach, but... Uh, <laughs> yes, because there is a comeback. So we will get to that in a moment. One more quick break here uh, on SCNZ. We'll be back with more uh, with Joe Alley on Trailblazers in a moment. Thanks for being with us on SCNZ Trailblazers, where we've been chatting today with uh, double Olympic medalist Joe Alley, champion sailor who didn't retire, we don't use the R word, um, took a break after the 2016 Rio Games, did some coaching in Tokyo, and now is back in the boat. Why have you returned? Why do you want to come back and sail again and do another Olympic campaign? Yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, I guess I've always said I wouldn't do a lot of things. I said I'd never coach and end up coaching. Ah. And I, I was sort of, I wasn't really sure I wanted to come back. But I think that was the beauty of, you know, the last few years, the team I was coaching they had so much fun on the water and like we we as a team the three of us had a lot of fun and I guess it reminded me that you know you sail because you love it and it doesn't matter how you're going or how it's going like you've still got to find the good times in that because you know we, we all have the ups and downs but it was definitely through coaching them that it sort of rekindled a little bit of the fact that I do love sailing and even actually there was a um there was a, a women's trial for for the New Zealand South GP team and, and some wasp boats, which is a little sort of single-handed foiling boat. And that was actually one of the first times I'd been sailing, just, you know, to go sailing. And I sort of got in the boat and I hadn't sailed it much. And I just noticed, like, oh, I actually picked this up quite quickly. Like, oh, I've, you know, I've, I've still got this. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still pretty good at this thing. And I had a, a few of those experiences, sort of even jumping in the NACRA with, with, with Micah when um, Erica, his crew, was injured. And I would pick things up quickly. I was like, okay, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still here. And so I guess I decided sort of thinking about, you know, the possibility of, of sailing again. And I knew I didn't want to do something I'd already done. I mean, it just doesn't interest me at all. I guess I love, I love the learning and I love a challenge. And the idea of trying to do something which seems near on impossible was probably the most exciting idea I could come up with. And it depended a lot on who I could sail with. But sort of in that last year leading into Tokyo, when I was still coaching, I started doing a little bit of, of sailing in the, in the FX class, just with random people and to see if I actually did enjoy sailing the boat. And I found out pretty quick that I, I really did like it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I should go coaching. I'd probably rather go sailing. <laughs> and so that, that kind of made it pretty clear that, you know, when the games were done, I was definitely going to, going to give it a go. 
and, and see if I could sort of get back in the boat. So you're going back into a 49er FX, which are really cool boats, uh, with Molly Meach. So how has that relationship come together, Did the, the two of you? Because she's obviously been with Alex Maloney, who she's had great success with in the past as well. Um, and so how have you ended up that you're sailing with Molly? Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was the big, I guess, gamble I took <laughs> when I decided to try to sail the FX, that I would find a good crew. And obviously Molly was at the top of my list because I've always thought she's just pretty impressive mm. and you know she's done enough time in the boat that it would help sort of fast track us through because obviously it's a three-year cycle you know it's really compressed um and i was pretty sure that her and alex would sort of stop sailing together after the games um but you, you're never sure and it's not something i wanted to bring up at all before of course and you know it was more of a question actually after if, if molly wanted to keep sailing you know full stop or whether she was sort of done with it and just wanted to go in some different directions and so I you know I just in the background started doing a, lot, a bunch of sailing with other people and just trying to get my skills set up and sort of broached it to Polly I mean so okay <laughs> Tom's <gonna Polly. laughs> I was going to say you get you oh, no, having a Molly in the I was going to say eh? Molly to I'm Polly good. I don't actually do that normally <laughs> <laughs> I was, gonna, so, I was uh, like I that's it. the reason you went with Molly right it was just way easier I just... know it's really easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <very different> <laughs> like I, I did put it on the table with Molly quite early and just said, like, look, like I want to do this. Um, but the ball's in your court. It's going to be up to you to sort of decide what you want to do. But if you do, like, I'll be just over here. <laughs> I'll just be over here waiting. And so, yeah, it was just right at the end of last year, I think Molly decided that, yeah, she, she did want to give it a go. And so it was, that was good because I was getting quite stressed actually there for a little bit. And I was like, oh, God, I'm trying to make all these plans and figure things out, but I don't actually have someone to sail with. <laughs> Cause it's... So that, was, that was a huge relief. And it was, it's been just awesome, I think, to see how we, how we jumped into working together. Like, I didn't realize how similar we are in some areas. And, again, very different in others. But um, Molly's a really strong person. And I really respect that. And... I sort of like to be told how to do things sometimes and it's nice to have someone that will push back because I can be, I think, a little bit overpowering at times. So it's, it's a very different relationship than I had with, with Polly, but I'm really, really enjoying it. You know, we, we spent six months overseas this year and sort of saw each other nearly every day of those six months and we're, we're still getting along really well. So I think that bodes well. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds really cool. Um, the other thing that you've been doing is obviously been involved with Live Ocean Racing, which is um, Pete Burling and Blair Chooks' uh, startup, and also Sail GP. What have those experiences been like? Yeah, so the Live Ocean Racing was, was a chance to sail a sort of small 26-foot catamaran with, with three other girls. And we did three events this year. Um, so just learning how to sail the boat, and, you know, it's a – Formuling boat some of the time when the wind's right. Um, but, but a chance to sail with, you know, Molly and Alex and Erica and live, you know, some of New Zealand's best female sailors. So an awesome opportunity to get the chance to do. And, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, but sort of, it, I guess it, that was the first thing. And then that le- sort of led into the, the Sail GP, which was just a whole other stratosphere. I mean, <laughs> those boats are ridiculous. You know, I, I turned up in Plymouth having never, well, I'd seen one sort of sail past me before, but, you know, never been on the boat and suddenly you're racing this thing and doing speeds, you know, you've never done before. Yeah. 
That's just incredible. Obviously, SailGP is going to be held. We've got a New Zealand League in Christchurch in January. What could people expect? What is that going to be like? I think it's just, you know, having a chance to see the boats in person and to see them sailing, like looking at it on TV is, is one thing, but seeing them in real life is just incredible. Like just the scale and the speed and just the noise <laughs> of them going past is, is pretty stunning. Like it's definitely like nothing else. And I think the fact that they just tend to race them, you know, so close to shore, and it is a real spectacle. I, I think Christchurch is going to be an incredible event. I mean, there's been a lot of interest already, which is which is really cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and just going back to Live Ocean as well, can you sort of explain so that is that Pete and Blair's sort of charity? Uh, but it's a thing that that has been set up for female sailors, right? And they've kind of backed it and got into it and, and got you guys involved. Yes, obviously Live Ocean is the charity, and Live Ocean Racing is sort of an, an offshoot, which is around using, you know, yacht racing to to champion the causes, you know, looking after the ocean and champion the causes that they're sort of supporting. And we, I guess, we're just lucky that the first project they've sort of decided to to launch Live Ocean Racing with was, you know, a woman's initiative, and sort of, you know, a bit of a pathway program and sort of a enabling a bunch of women to get some opportunities to sort of race at that high level that, that we haven't really had before. So sort of, yeah, I guess right time and right place yeah. for, for a lot of us. Oh. And I know, I'm sure there'll be some, some more teams coming within that umbrella, but really cool that, you know, Peter Blair did start it with, with women's program because that's, it's pretty rare in yeah, the sailing world. Absolutely. Well, as we were talking about earlier, right, baby steps. But it, it, it's getting there. Honestly, I would have another million questions, but we are out of time and you do need to continue your day. But it has been uh, so cool to, to talk through right from the start of your sailing career, Joe. Um, really appreciate it. So looking forward to seeing you uh, and all the things that you've got coming up over the next few years as well. Joe Alay, thank you so much for being on Trailblazers. All right, thank you.